Welcome to a new episode of the Bandwagon Podcast, uh, and today is a bit of a unique one. So it's the first time I've actually got two guests at the same time. So normally I have a lot of trouble just to get one, but today I thought I'd just make it even worse for myself and get uh, get two. Um, it's it's really important that you kind of listen to every uh, every part of the stories that are going to be told in this one. Um, it's very close to my heart, and especially obviously with the guests that involve. So. Um, I'd like to introduce to you uh, Ricky Chima and Sonny Baines. Welcome, lads. Thank you. Thanks for having me. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So (laughs) I know this is probably a bit different to, again, to the environment that we normally meet. Um, Well, yeah, I see Ricky's drinking something already, but normally it's uh, it's, uh, normally a beer. So uh, that's a good plug right there. Yes, start the week as you mean to go on, Ricky. (laughs) I've, I've gone. Uh, I've gone the Ronaldo route. I've gone for tea, man. I pushed the beer away. <laughs> yeah. So, uh, um, how, how have you guys been anyway? In, in general, it's been quite a, quite a while since people managed to be in the same room. I think the last time we were together was actually on Seat Channel. Uh, yeah. A few years back here. That's right. Yeah. 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 Um, yeah. Going well, mate. I mean, obviously, we've all we've COVID related, but. You know, things are loosening up a bit and like get to see people again. And, you know, we're all social animals. So the more people we get to see, the better we feel. Mm-hmm. And Sonny, how's it been for you, especially? I know you're in the, you got shopkeeper's life. That's it. Yeah. To be honest, it's been crazy busy. Uh, probably, you know, from a, a business point of view, yeah, it's great. But from a, a lifestyle point of view, man, I'm sick and tired of working right now. Has it has it has it given the the shop more energy? The corner shop and it's that, that yeah, big time, big time. Up. Yeah, it has. Yeah, massively. It's to be honest, it's nice to see as well. That kind of it was, you know, when it all kind of started this COVID stuff and where there was like silly queues outside the supermarkets and that kind of funneled into us little small stores. But it's nice to see now where things are starting to calm down. A lot of the customers are still staying and shopping local and stuff. So it's nice to have that support, really. So it is, it is good. I'll be right then. So we know where to go and get a mix, mixy now, and who's paying for it now? And it's <laughs> <laughs> all right. So I, I want to get kind of, kind of straight into it as well on this bit. So um, we've got, we know each other in separate kind of relationships as well. Uh, me, me and Ricky went to school together, um, and then Sonny, uh, we've uh, known you through uh, well work as well, and it we worked yeah, yeah, at uh, one stage uh, and and through football as well. Um, yeah. But one of the one of the key areas that sort of where you you came to kind of social media light and in prominent was around your your, your son Gorav. So for those people who don't know, don't know necessarily the story, um, can you just give us a little bit of a uh, an update? Uh, sorry, a bit of a, a background into the into the story of Gorav. Yeah, yeah. So um, when uh, when Gorav was a little baby, when he's born, he was always picking up infections, kind of. Pretty much since the day he was born, he's always he had issues. He'd born um, uh, there was complications with his birth anyway, which was not to do with this. But so he's kind of he's always lived a uh, how you can say like a hospital type life. Um, he was there for about five six weeks uh, till he could come home, and then yeah, just from there he'd always get ill. You know, like any kind of common cold, cough, infection going, he'd just get it, and um, we're pretty much be in and out. He'd be on all kinds of antibiotics and. It took us, I'd say, it probably started, say, from about, I don't know, six months old onwards. So it took us to nearly, I don't know, it took nearly a year until 
we kind of knew what was happening. We'd just been in and out of hospital all the time. You'd get like a, a temperature that's gone through the roof, get an antibiotics and kind of things would be looking better. 10 days later, bam, same thing again. And oh. winters is worse than summers, naturally. Like, I think that's with everyone. And then, um, yeah, uh, we got um, that. We was at Russell's Law Hospital at the time and all this was happening. And then we got uh, referred to the Birmingham Children's Hospital. Um, I remember sitting there uh, with the wife and, you know, we kind of we're in the um, in in the ward with like where all the other cancer patients and the yeah. kids with leukemia. But it never ever did I think we're here for this reason. You know, you just can't look around and think, oh, you know, oh, look all the people suffering. Look at this. Luckily, hope you know, I was kind of assuming they're just going to give us I don't know some kind of tablets and say, right, this is what it is. Take these and job done. And then when we got told he's got a, a bone marrow deficiency. Um, it's called monosomy seven syndrome. It's like, well, kind of blew you away because you kind of you don't expect to hear it. How old was Gora? To be you. It was at the time he was going to be two. So it's so, like from uh, you, you yeah. experienced this like literally from like birth in it as he's getting yeah, older and older, much, older. Yeah, yeah. So he's pretty much spent like say nine to twelve months of just fighting infection after infection, but we didn't know what it was then. It was kind of would be like kind of um, you know you get a massive uh, spike in temperature kind of something to go wrong be off to hospital being there for a few days come back and you just kind of assume oh you've just got a weak immune system you know as you grow older it'll you'll get stronger kind of thing but we never knew the the immune system side of things was um, was obviously something more serious uh, which happened to be this with the bone marrow but basically his white blood cells he wasn't producing any. So that was causing all the infections and is what blood cells weren't being produced because of obviously bone marrow deficiency. So when, when, when the doctors came up to you with this, uh, with the diagnosis at that point, you yeah. know, what, what were the options that they were saying at the time? Because obviously it's not something that you're going to hear as well. You know, uh, we've got kids uh, as, you know, young kids as well. And yeah. it, it isn't something that's common that you're going to be hearing. You're going to hear infection flu, you'll hear some other stuff, but, when you get a bombshell like that, how yeah. was that kind of like told and, and your reaction? Well, when they explained to us what it was, obviously we didn't know what it was, you know. Um, so the condition he had was called monosomy 7 syndrome. Um, what he meant is, you know, when the chromosomes we have in our body, yeah. uh, so you have so many chromosomes. He was missing one um, and it was a key one, which helps kind of create white blood cells and help you fight off you know, infections, diseases and whatnot. Um, basically, long story short, what they said to us was, with this condition, what it means is by the time he gets to early childhood, like, you know, four or five years old, anything like that, he's going to develop leukaemia. So at the time, he hadn't had leukaemia, but they could they could foresee it. And uh, they said from kind of, from patients before and stuff like that, they got the chances of him fighting and beating that is pretty much like you know not going to happen basically the goal the well not two options but what they said is if we leave it as it is and you kind of say right you know no thanks to a bone marrow transplant we're not going to go down that route what will happen is by the time he gets to four or five he's going to develop leukemia then it, then it'll be a case of you know he goes through um goes through treatment trying to trying to fight that um but what they're saying is the treatment he'd have is it highly likely wasn't going to work. So they said, 
your only option is to have a bone marrow transplant now. So where normally like children or obviously develop, uh, depending on what type of condition they've got, you know, you have um, chemotherapy first and uh, with obviously with other cancers, you'll have chemotherapy, you kind of hope that beats it. But they were saying with him, chemotherapy, it was highly likely it was not going to work. It, it normally a bone marrow uh, transplant's like the, the last resort, but we had to go straight to that step. So it was like kind of everything else you had to skip and just go straight to the last kind of chance saloon in a way. So, mm. so um, what year are we talking about here then, Sully? So then, um, so what is it? He's 10 now. So it was, you asked me years, how many years? No, about 2010. Um, it was, uh, what's it called? What are we now? 2021? Yeah, oh, yeah, yeah. It was crazy. It was absolutely mental, yeah. It was... Um, 2012. Yeah, yeah, 2000, yeah, 2012. Yeah, 2012. Yeah, yeah. 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 So, Ricky, so, I mean, your your relationship with the, you know with the stem cell journey, uh, we'll we'll come back from study. I'm trying to kind of tell the story, kind of synchronize as much as I as much as I can. So you your your involvement with uh, Anthony Nolan um, and just in the wider um, uh, stem cell charities is 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 well known now. It's becoming. Uh, forefront and you were an active uh, face of it which is fantastic work how did you how did your journey start into it um my journey started out just um understanding that someone had blood cancer a, a friend of mine their mom had blood cancer and they were doing a um like a not these swabs that you have now they were tr like trying to get blood donations to see whether anyone was a match in a god or down croydon and your natural instinct is, I want to try and help. You know, I'll go down and uh, sign up. So I traveled to Croydon from Birmingham just to give a bit of blood sample with a friend of mine. Um, to be honest, I, I, when I did it, I just did it. I had no idea what I was doing. Like, you know, in my mind, it was just, just go, you know, see if you're a match and whatever. So I, I joined the register. And that was it, to be honest. I, I didn't think of anything more, you know, being honest about it. There's only a few years later when um, I got a, a letter in the post to say I could be a possible match for somebody. That's when it got a little bit serious. And then I started thinking, well, what is it that I've signed up for? Right. You know, I remember a couple of years ago what it was, but not now. Mm. But then I started understanding a bit about blood cancer and leukemia and, and as uh, Sonny was just talking about white blood cells and that it's the white blood cells that stop um, working around the body and they need that a kickstart, if you like, through a donor. Um, again, in around time, I had no idea, but, you know, talking to people, not many people knew him. When I donated my bone marrow, it was back 2009 I donated. And there wasn't much literature, there wasn't much information about, but I just cracked on with it anyway, because I just thought, well, if you can help somebody, whatever. And then the information you get at the time was that, you know, it comes out your hip or you're, you're out of action for about three or four months and all these type of uh, stuff. And like, to be honest, maybe because I was so young and naive, I just thought, so what? If I'm out for about two or three months, you know, if you save someone's life, I'll, I'll crack on with it. And it's only um, when um, a friend of mine, a friend of my mum was actually, I told him because I was a bit worried about it as well because there was some information that I didn't like to hear. Like he said, 
you know, you could, there's some bad side effects, but these are all myths that we'll talk about later. Because I know, uh, Ricky, you've done exactly the same thing as me. If anything, I've done the easier version. You've done more difficult. But um, a friend of mine, um, a friend of my mum was once said, I heard you're a, a match for somebody. I was like, yeah, I don't know about it. Like, you know, whether I should go ahead. He says, you know what? That's like winning a lottery ticket. And I never looked at it like that. I said, what do you mean? He says, not many people get the opportunity to save somebody's life. You, you've been given the opportunity. You know, there shouldn't be no question. And I, when I started looking at it like that, I thought, yeah, there isn't a question. So I got myself down to London. I was, sorry, going back a step, I was a match for somebody in the end because they did not blood samples. <clears throat> and I went to the doctors to check as well. And I've done what is called the stem cell procedure. Yeah. So there's two methods to donate your bone marrow. The one where you do it the way I've done it, and there's the one the way you've done it, Rick. But the way I did it was the easy way, which is called a stem cell harvest, where they run a tube through each of your wrists, right? So two clear tubes, and they run it through like this machine. It almost looks like one of those old school like videotape recorder ones where you just one wheel's going one way, one's going the other. What it is that your blood is being run through this body five, I'm mean, sorry, through this machine five times over, and it's extracting all the plasma out of your blood, right? So he's extracting that. And that's the stuff that the uh, person suffering from leukemia or white blood uh, cancer is suffering from, then they'll need that. So I did all that, cut long story short, it took about four hours. And they said, right, you, you're fun, you're done. Um, and I, they said, just go on, rest for about four or five days, because you might have like flu-like symptoms. But you know what? Again, being a, the youngster I was, and I just thought, you know what? I feel all right. I ended up going back to the lads' house, playing pro Evo, having a few beers. And then ne next day, I played for Wonderbolts in a match. And I felt, and I felt nothing. Right? And, it, and it feels weird because I did all that. And I, I felt nothing. And I got loads of praise of people saying, wow, what a great thing you did. And I was kind of embarrassed by it all initially. You know, the, the, I felt good afterwards, but because this the procedure was so easy, it didn't feel like I'd done anything for it. Like, you know, you just sat on the bed and you just went on. That's how, kind of how it felt. And I was getting like, you saved someone's life, this, that. And it's funny because off the back of that, because I felt like, well, I didn't really earn this praise. So I ran a marathon for um, Anthony Nolden. <laughs> Just to make it make myself, <laughs> to make it feel just make myself feel better that you know I've done something worthy, and obviously I know now that what I did was very worthy. You know, it's the most worthy cause to save somebody's life, but um, that's kind of what my journey was, and I was lucky enough to do it again in 2021. Well, this this year in January, so not only have done it once, I've done it twice, and they gave me a T-shirt, you know, for the uh, for the efforts. Twice, yeah, smashing it. <laughs> yeah, yeah, no, it's good. I mean, I'll, I'll, we'll come to the procedures and that a, a little bit later. So, Sonny, like, obviously, Ricky's just given us a good, like, uh, summary in terms of, like, how, how he got involved uh, and, um, you know, was a successful match. What were the obstacles that you were facing back then now with Gaurav? So, you, you've, they've identified the, the issue. What was the challenges that were being faced? You know, Ricky was mentioning, you kind of... You don't realise how what you've done, how massive it is, because you know it felt like not a not didn't feel like a big thing, but the way Ricky's explaining. But on the other side of 
that table I'm looking at and I'm thinking what you've done, you know, both you guys is huge because like us and the other families, you know, the people you guys are donated to, we're sitting in that, you know, in hospital, you know, like we're watching God day after day, week after week, after months, just in pain. And, and there's nothing we can do. There's nothing we can do to help. We're waiting for, for this transplant. And, you know, so it's huge what you guys have done. It's like kind of, you've taken that pain away. Something me as a father, I couldn't do for my own son that, you know, uh, his donor has done. It's like, it's, it's like a forever bond, something that can never be kind of repaid. Yeah, I have to, I think I'm going to move the conversation along and start crying in, really. Um, so, sorry, so, you know, when you were trying to find the match, um, yeah. At that point, what was the statistics uh, that that was happening, and what was your first move? Um, well, I know this. Uh, I can't remember the numbers. I can't really tell you that so much now. Uh, you may know better than myself, but it was there was slim. They the told us, you know, especially for for Asian people as well, uh, the chances of finding a match are even more slim due to obviously due to the amount of people that joined the register uh, in the first place and. So with us, we was just told through the um, through the hospital, um, Gaurav's um, specialist at the time was saying, right, you know, we'll start searching the the databases that are created, like by Anthony Nolan and DKMS, and uh, and the NHS also as well. And then we go, you know, as soon as the match is found, we'll obviously we'll let you know. And they they gave us the information for Anthony Nolan to say, look, you know, if you want to contact these guys for any more information support because we were asking what can we do and they said and they kind of mentioned about well you know if you want to try and encourage people to join and obviously they said immediate family will come in and get tested anyway um and then from there basically what happened with, with myself um after having obviously the initial breakdown getting home and kind of you know trying to pull myself back together i just remember mentioning it on Twitter, this is the way I remember, just kind of mentioning what's happening. And somehow he kind of, that tweet got out there and there was uh, one guy who always comes to mind, Harinder uh, Singh, um, he's a crazy Liverpool fan uh, on Twitter as well, kind of reached out to me. I, I, I didn't know who he was at the time. Uh, and not, and he kind of started tweeting other people. I mean, I, I didn't have much experience with Twitter either. I went massive in terms of social media, don't you know? don't really do a lot of it now either but kind of <laughs> that's true um, here and there yeah i just can't yeah but um, but yeah he started reaching out to people basically doing a lot of the lot of the stuff a lot of the legwork so it weren't so much what you know me and my wife was doing it was more what kind of friends new friends who made strangers coming together like yourself ricky um you know i'll be You'll remember we we done a drive at uh, Smelly Godwater, and that was all through you. You set that up for us. You got that rolling. You got the dates and organising the event and everything else. I, you know, I didn't do any of that. I kind of we was lost. We was kind of without you guys and without, like I say, friends and friends of friends and people that we didn't know at the time that now were friends. We we didn't know what to do. It was it was the the community and the public and everyone else who helped us we, without all you guys like i say genuinely we was lost none of that would have happened 
Yeah, I mean, like just going back to the time and just kind of setting the scene, it was, I think Twitter was a, a little bit of a different place. Yeah. And like kind of brown Twitter was more unified rather than any of these, yeah. rather than the arguments that are happening. And then I remember seeing, seeing this and I couldn't compute it in my head. Um, I couldn't understand how this was, what this was happening. And uh, there was just something in, 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 uh, in me saying, like, you've got to do something. And I think I wasn't even aware of Ricky, what he was doing even at that time, you know, because I think there was just a there's just a failure or anything in it where people are doing good things. Yeah. You know, you kind of taught not to kind of brag about it really as well. Yeah. And it's more kind well, of I knew nothing about this, you know, like I mean Ricky, like you said, already joined uh, the stem cell register and he'd mm. already donated and so I, I actually knew nothing about it, you know, whether if that was being a bit um you know, kind of wrapped up in your own world without kind of realizing what you can do for others. But in terms of, I'd heard of, I'd, you know, you know about leukemia, I'd heard of bone marrow transplants and stuff, and that was about it. You know, yeah, in yeah. What my kind of thought about it was a bone marrow transplant sounds like, you know, I'm, I'm going to be giving like, like an actual organ out of my body to someone. Yeah, yeah. And that's about as much as I knew about it. Thing is, you know, with, with stuff like that, it's, um, it's a difficult one because. We, we can't, exp- I, mean, I, I mean, as we get older, we have a better understanding of things. So I, we can't expect people to know everything about, you know, whether it be blood cancer, whether it be, you know, just cancer in general or any other type of um, deficiencies of what's, you know, you only understand it once it happens so close to you or of people of you that you know of. And, and that's, I mean, for example, me, I had no clue about anything until it happened to a, a friend's mom of mine. Um, that I knew of that you know I had no clue so it's only when you get exposed to these type of things and when we do we have the with the options to well for us as I started it's not directly affected to either either ignore it or actually do something about it and it's it's we're lucky in that sense in the in the as a community that once we are exposed to something and understand something so for example you know with something that like you know with your son Gaurav like you saw the whole community understand that, hold on, what is this? What's going on? This shouldn't be happening to such a young child. We need to be getting everybody onto the register. I mean, I, you, you talk about Smeby Goddard, but Sonny, you are, I remember, you know, at the tournaments, I was going into every single changing room. Um, when they were getting changed, whilst they were showering, I was getting in there saying, wait, all of you know about this situation get outside and join the register and every single footballer I've come across bear in mind that was the catchment it was 16 to 30 year old uh, males because you know apparently males have carry more blood and uh, they're better possible match I was getting them out of the change rooms and just getting them out and like getting all um, swapped up and stuff but it wasn't just me you got you said you got Harindi you got uh, Basra you've got so many different people um, there's a, the, the guys up in Hitchin as well. Um, there's so many that get got together behind this cause. But, uh, you know, going back to the original thing is I don't think anyone should feel any type of guilt or feeling of like not knowing. It's just that we just stop exposed to certain things. There's, a, yeah. there's so many things that I'm unaware of that are affecting people right now, maybe close to me. Um, but, you know, as soon as you are, you make yourself aware, don't you? I think with I think Gorab's one was a, 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 like um a, like a pinch point in one sense because we're all at the we're all similar ages, 
we all we all gonna have you know kids at that age as well now and you can start seeing like, this is this could be my kid so i i remember like i have to shout out it was um you know uncle shergill um that's pre Gill's brother um you know at Semedic. so when i found out from like sonny i was like i'll i never forget this conversation because i was like so Sonny, like what are we gonna do like who do we need to contact and he, and he was like he goes look man he goes i don't have that much reach in the in that in the, in the upper the desi scene in it so he goes like what can we do just pull it together and I, i'll always remember this for like the stupid reasons like we set up the the, the drive got set up on uh at smedi and i didn't realize that like you couldn't have prashad before otherwise it could affect the the sample as well uh so then we have to kind of like stop it and then I, i you know in my own like in my own selfish way i just got overwhelmed it was like the first time like is it i think it was one of the most successful things i ever do, done in my life you know it is like so, and then i just couldn't handle being there i said so i got sorry I, i think i made some bullshit excuse i think i mean i think all i remember was man united were playing either stoke or sunderland we were within so i was even i was really pissed off as well so i was just like uh, I've got to go. I I I can't I didn't see right right in but I knew it was successful and then it was getting mirrored in all of the all of the Gordare and stuff and the football scene was kind of like kicking off and then I think it was like really really like really really positive that everyone was starting to join this whole thing and I think it was just a, that perfect storm of coming together. So then like suddenly you know like when everything like as people were kind of jumping onto the onto the members list how soon after yeah. did like did like you start was it getting worse for Gorav and then it happened or what how did it how soon did it happen well we was told um i think it was like it was around april may time we was told like the situation what needs to happen find a bone marrow transplant and the rest and um so it was during that summer where all you know people started to come together and registering and all that but we was told basically by i think it was around november we was told if you know if we can't find a match by then I was a 50% match to Gorov so uh, what we would have gone ahead with the transplant uh, around November onwards anyway so we was kind of given that date said look you know we've got a few months here we'll try and find a match and the rest of it and if not then the kind of uh, the backup the fail safe was will use me and you know obviously a 50% match compared to like a 100% match or something is um what's well, a massive difference isn't it? and it is a you know if you, someone told you for your for anyone for a friend family would you rather have a 50% match or 100% you, you're going to want 100% all the time or as close to so yeah that that's where we was at so it was a case of we did actually have um we never really actually spoke about it but we i think it was about july august time we was told there was a, a match found from uh from america um and so like we was off the moon told you know told the family and stuff yeah you know sorted we got one and they actually dropped out for whatever reason we've never been told but then they decided against it so kind of that was crushing at the time as well thinking you know you found someone and then to be told actually now that it's not going ahead no more so yeah so there was kind of in terms of emotionally there was ups and downs as well beforehand as well So what, was the, found, what was the impact on the kind of wider uh, like before you go into that, what was the impact yeah. onto the wider family because obviously like you and your wife are like kind of focused in this situation yeah. and, and the white the collateral is like obviously it's going to be a lot a lot wider 
Yeah, yeah, cool. I mean, obviously, everyone wants to, you know, kind of help in any way they can. You know, what can we do? We'll come and donate and stuff like that. But unfortunately, we're as obviously weren't as easy as that. It's not like you know, just giving blood. You know, like here's my blood. There's obviously there has to be so many kind of uh, so many things that to make it a perfect match. But in terms of people helping, yeah, every, everyone kind of you know they're supported in their own way. They kind of they offered like for example, obviously, like you say, we've got a we've got a shop and. And in terms of work, you know, it never work never ends with a shop. It's all the time, and so you know, my folks had to do a lot more in terms of working because I was spending a lot more time out the shop. One, um, looking after Gaurav and taking to appointments and stuff, but at the same time trying to set set up these drives with friends, you know, like yourself and everyone else, and trying to attend them and try and do as much as we can there. So, yes, yeah, so the family kind of helping out. You know, like I say, like that work-wise, you know, some people are in a situation where they can't afford to take time off work, you know, because unfortunately, you still got to pay the bills, and yeah, you know, families, you know, we're not the only family going through this situation, but I was in a lucky position where I could afford to take that time off because people was there to cover me, to cover, kind of cover my shifts and cover my work, so yeah, everyone helped in, the, in their own ways. And plus, not just that, the volunteering. You know, when you talk about these events, like you say, the football tournaments, uh, at the Godware, uh, so many different places. Uh, Nishgarm Centre in Hansworth. There's so, so many places. I mean, the amount of volunteers, you know, it's one of them. No, no one got paid to, to kind of go out there and try and get people to come and join the register and take their swabs and this and that. People done it through the goodness of their own heart. So people have helped, like, in any way they could, which was obviously massive for us. I think it's a really important statistic that I, I didn't realise when um, you know I, I got cleared into the next stage was that at the point of donation, two, uh, two out of three people actually drop out. So it's like, it's really, really important just at this stage, you know, before like, I, I last Sonny to kind of carry on when, um, from when the first person pulled out in America. Um, that, you know, if you're signing up for this, it's not hard. It's very, very simple to do. But those lottery tickets, what Ricky was talking about, you know, you've got them in their hand, in your hand for somebody else. Like, literally, that's it. And when, when you hear statistics, like two out of three drop out at the point of donation, it really is a bit of a reality check, you know, for, for, for people. Um, so you, you, when, when you've just found out the, the guy, from, the person in America is kind of like pulled out at that bit, you know, how how did that sort of what was the impact then in terms of like of your of your your chances again? That uh, in terms of well, because we was told obviously how difficult it is anyway, uh, especially for uh, you know like South Asian people for um, of our background, it's even more difficult because there's less people on the register. The chances of finding a match, um, they say the most likely is, is going to be from. Uh, people with the same kind of ethnic background so that was crushing straight away because obviously we're looking at the stats now having a look at how many people are on the register you know compared to like Caucasian people uh, white people and, and whatnot so then hearing someone's dropped out it was demoralizing to be fair and you know you kind of I remember feeling like oh blaming yourself thinking oh, I shouldn't have been like as soon as we found out we've got a match you know I'm telling like uh all the family, yeah, we got one, this and that, telling friends of mine. And then I felt like, oh, you know, when you feel like you're just opening your mouth too soon, maybe maybe that's why it's happened. You start thinking all these things, don't you? And so whereas the next time uh, we found out, uh, 
for the for God of Stone and now we didn't mention anything for a couple of weeks first because we thought what well, probably less than a couple of weeks you know until it was you don't want to strong water we yeah until we had a date and why right, this is what's happening this is when he's coming in until we had it all kind of confirmed but yeah so it's like you said two out of three people dropping out bloody hell that's that's massive that is um you know and like you're saying you've you've actually got someone you've got a, not just a person's life in your hands you've got a, a family's hope uh you know a circle of friends uh, that that circle of who it's impacting all their hopes and kind of their the dream of or what it is you want to call it for everything to go right for them it's in your hands if, if you've decided to join to the register so yeah it's you know if you do join them you've got to be you know like you say make sure you you will see it through because it's it's life changing it is life and death it ultimately is Ricky so you know when you were going around when you were going into changing rooms and showers and stuff like that well less of the shower um, you know when you were what was some of the questions that were coming you know like especially young people were asking you like what's this all about uh, you know what obviously because of my natural nature you know I'm, he's a firefighter as well by the way <laughs> I'm on top of them. So, you know, I'm kind of forcing their hand. Um, I want to go back to the, uh, just a second, but to, you know, the two, two out of three people drop out. And just going back to my first experience back in 2009. Now, when you, I mean, I'm, I'm going to let you know, you know, the journey of somebody that could drop out because uh, it could have been me. Yeah, I could have dropped out, you know, if it weren't for certain conversations that I had with people, especially with uh, my mum's mate saying the lottery ticket, you, you, it kind of comes as a shock to you that you are a match. So you get a lot of people that will just do it because they get carried away with the idea of, yeah, um, don't, you know, I've given a swab and this, that, I'm part of something. But they don't really understand the, the, that there could be an actual match, if that makes sense. They, they, they like that journey because everyone's going somewhere. But when they come to become a match, they all, you can almost get scared, yeah, and you don't really understand it. So rather than educating yourself, you kind of think the easy option is just opt out. You know, you don't lose anything and this that. But what they don't understand is how much is lost on the other side by you simply by simply saying no. Unfortunately, that's someone's life. Yeah, and I don't think that goes into a lot of people's minds a lot when they probably do say no because it, maybe it's the convenience of saying oh I don't want to go to London or Manchester to don't you know to donate or you know to start believing the myths you know we can only no one's ever going to come out and say hey, they, they 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 chose to opt out but Cindy sorry um, let me get rid of that <laughs> no it's all right. we support farmers as well don't we <laughs> <laughs> yeah um so 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 yeah so i'm going back to the you know, change rooms and i'm asking people some people did ask oh is does it come out your hip and i said look yeah you know you can put a kit on your blood between the tournament matches that's how, honestly that's how easy i thought the procedure was right and i was trying to push that to these kids but like i said all of them were willing to go and do the swap right because you know when you got a crowd of people doing something all at the same time you just go along with it it's only when you're in your own home uh, when you start thinking well, do i want to do it do i not 
but hopefully when making podcasts like this there's more uh, media uh, you know there's there's so much more literature than when I did it in 2009 that it's I still think it's hard it should be hard to say no right and it comes <laughs> I hate to hate to be wrong but comes out to laziness as well all the information is there now you can get as much information as possible but people choose not to you know research they might research you know how kim kardashian done her hair or how ronaldo gets his abs but if you're like you know trying to get donate you know to donate your bomber because you've become a match you're less likely to go and research that does that does that make sense yeah no it it makes a it makes a lot of sense um uh, j- just touching back on uh, like my experience, it was kind of weird because me and my brother b- were a match if we, uh, we're two separate people, uh, I-, I believe. Um, and 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 I, and I think this is the impact of what Gorav Gorav situation that he's responsible for saving so many of the lives because everyone signed up at that point. You know what I mean? So like it's unquantifiable of like the the significance of what he's done, yeah, and. Uh, so yeah, me, me and my brother, we were like a, a, a match. And then I think, I think the story, what they kind of said was like, I was a match to somebody else, he was a match to somebody else, but they don't necessarily go down that road of like, of the match because the person might have unfortunately passed away or some of the other treatments might, might have worked. Um, so I kind of like, I kind of went through it and uh, I got, like I, I was identified and then they said that they needed to go and have the more... Uh, a more intrusive procedure where they kind of like just extract it from your from your lower back um and then you know like it's just it, from what sonny was saying as well earlier about being on that ward so, you know i'm jumping a lot of stages here where i had like blood tests they just checked me out all all simple nice and easy but i think when you got when i got onto that ward and seeing all those children and then you're, you're just like look man i've just my DNA and my stem cell is a match for somebody across the world. I got told it was for a boy in America. They couldn't give me uh, the details. And I think, like, you're just thinking, no matter how much of an idiot you are, no matter how much, what, you could be the biggest criminal or anything, you got, you're, you're, you're a match for someone. It's your chance, like, to just kind of just do something well in your life and just do something. And, um, I remember just having the procedure done and, and like, <laughs> yeah, they're literally just like, they go, go in, um, I think it was like six mini little holes, keyholes, just taking out. And then the doctor come out and he goes, he goes, he looks at me and he goes, we took about 1.1 litres of uh, bone marrow out. Yeah, so he goes, within three days, this is going to be in America, in someone's, like, he goes, there's a motorbike there that's going, that's taking your stuff now. And I was like, okay. And then he goes, um, he goes, you've got a job now. He goes, you're, you've got a job to raise awareness and tell as many people as you can to sign up onto this stem cell. And I never thought about it that way because, like, you know, I was like, I did, I did, I was, I was a bit weird in terms of like how I felt, you know, after it. It was really kind of a, a, a real kind of significant point, but it wouldn't have happened. I wouldn't have signed up if you went for Gorev. If you went for Gorev, I wouldn't have, I wouldn't have gone down that, that kind of road. Um, and then you just have this kind of, you have this kind of duty really to kind of tell as many people as you can and, and get people to kind of sign, to, to sign up. So I, I, I mean, I'll get to you like, 
did we speak to the person like um, shortly? But like, well, sorry. So like, you you found your you found your match, and where where was your match found? So uh, just quickly uh, before that, you know, like how Ricky was saying as well about how the information's out there and kind of you know we, all of us need to kind of step up this and that. But but like you say, like you saying earlier, you know, if it doesn't happen to your kind of your circle, whether it be family, friends within your circle. It's so easy to overlook the information. I remember like, before all this happened to Gaurav, you know, like uh, I'll sit, I'm in the shop and oh man, I'll read a newspaper back to front. But you know, when you come to an article of let's say uh, a child or an adult or someone's got leukemia and bone marrow, you have a quick read and you skim over. And the next thing I you know, I'm reading the, the sports pages in detail. And that's how it kind of used to be. So for me, it was like the information was always there before Gaurav, but I never paid attention to it, if you know what I mean. And I think that's just how we just are as people. I think just everyone generally is, you know, as humans, we kind of, unless something's happening in your circle, it's not as important, if you know what I mean, until it becomes important. So I never feel kind of, if someone doesn't join up or someone kind of hasn't took the information on board, I never kind of judge and think, oh, you know, what you're doing, that's wrong. You know, you, you kind of, you messed up there, you're being selfish or whatever, because that was me as well. So. It's yeah. just one of those. Sometimes it just takes a. Everyone will find an understanding of things like this in their own time, you know. And hopefully that comes sooner than later. But you know, it took me till you know in my thirties till I I got to that understanding. So you know, it might take other people longer or less. It just it is what it is, isn't it? Mm, With that, yeah. yeah. I think people just have like different coping mechanisms when they do. You yeah. know, they deal with kind of bad, bad news. Then the best thing, the best thing we can do is like this, like what you're doing now, Ricky, with this podcast, and you know, inf- getting information out there. If the information's out there, eventually people are going to look, but people are going to read, and people are going to listen. And do you know what I mean? At least information's there, and that's the one good thing with social media and everything else. Yeah, it brings I, positive stuff out there. I think we're lucky though because like obviously we. I'm not saying it because he's just on there, but he's a very, very positive role model in terms of like loads of stuff that he gets involved in. And I think fortunately, like it was a perfect storm. Like he was doing his stuff. Gaurav was there. And I think we got like an opportunity, really. We know how many people in our own sphere of influence to kind of just keep promoting it and keep keep doing it again. And and Ricky's had like a second chance to do it twice as well. So it's just not like, you know, and that is... If that doesn't tell you about it, I don't know what, what you know about a person, then I don't know what else can. So I'm trying, I'm going to ignore him yet. I'm going to go back to, <laughs> I'm going to go back to, so, sorry. So you, the guy is a match and he's from, is he from Germany? He's from get... Germany. Yeah. So from, uh, from Munich, Germany. We're, we're still in touch now to this day. We're, well, he's like, um, a new addition to the family. He's, fam- you know, we are family now. So how did that? We- how did that conversation happen? Then, so like, you, you get a phone call. He's a match. You then, yeah. you then, you then like sit down. You go through the the procedure. Yeah. So we we was told when we found out we've got a match. This and that. We was told where the person's from. Uh, we was allowed to know the age of the person and if it's male or female. Um, Stephanie's name is, um, but at the time, that's all that we was allowed to know. And I think for two years, um, you can't have any more information than that. And what they were saying is, well, the reason why they do that, what the nurses told us was because, for example, you know, you have uh, God has a transplant. If you've already exchanged information with your uh, with the donor, let's say, you know, God forbid, if something went wrong, I don't know, after however long, and 
they needed another transplant or they needed more stem cells from the person, you could obviously put them in a position maybe they don't want to be in. Whereas the, the, uh, the doctors feel two years is a better timeline where they feel like saying, you know, everything's successful, they're confident, it's all going well and, you know, kind of touch wood, this is the path you're on now on, on the kind of on a clear road ahead. And obviously, we still have to go for checkups and everything else. But generally, yeah, we're, we're in a, a very lucky position that things have worked for Gaurav and for us. So they they, they took the stem cells from um, Stefan at the time? Yeah. And then, so what happened? Was it just like on a drip, just like infused into... So, yeah, yeah. So he done, he, his procedure was the same as yours, you know, through the hip, whatever. Mm. Uh, but for us, yeah. So it was like, um, it was like, you know, um, imagine like a, a, a bag of blood just hanging up. And um, so Gaurav's got, um, he's got the, in, in his chest, he's got the um, the ports in where, so like, so obviously at the time he couldn't eat or anything either. So he's got three kind of tubes coming out of his chest, which are like um, used for uh, for all these medic medicines he needs and the actual transplant as well being done. So it's, it was, it was like just kind of like a, a bag of blood hanging up, like kind of you know when you see I don't know when you watch a movies and you see someone's yeah, got yeah, like yeah. A, kind of a, just a, a drip hanging off. It was like that, and then plugged into these ports into his chest, and kind of I think it took probably about 30, 45 minutes. So we're just sitting there and just slowly you're watching this bag slowly empty out and go into his body, and and so basically what they say is what the whole piece. So these are obviously like uh, the bone marrow transplant, and these white blood cells are going into Gorov. Uh, he had to have chemotherapy before it because he had to kind of completely kill his immune system off. Because uh, I said what what it ends up being like is like a battle of his old blood cells. Uh, so his immune system is going to see this new this new bone marrow coming into his body, and you know we're going to think like, "Hang on, what's that? You ain't meant to be here. You know this is my body. You ain't coming in." And so if they don't kill his immune system, his immune system will fight the new bone marrow coming in and basically it off and which means it fails. So he had to go through a, uh, it was seven days of intense chemotherapy, um, which pretty much just completely knocked him out. Like, which, you know, I imagine as you expect, that was hard to see. That was kind of, it's painful kind of thing. And, and yeah, and then it's just a case of making sure. So this fight of the new, the new bone marrow and the blood cells coming into him, fighting with his old existing bone marrow and, hoping the new ones win, win and kind of take over his body yeah that's pretty much the way it was and so he's so if if it doesn't take it's because his immune system's kind of fought back so that's that's what the chemotherapy was for to to completely kill off his immune system to give the the new the new bone marrow the best chance of kind of setting in because once that sets into his bone marrow it will then start to reproduce um, blood how cells. Long does it, how long does it take for it to see whether it worked or not? Um, it was so he'd had that done. It, you're looking at it's still months as well. You're looking at so he'd be keep constantly being tested. He was in so he had to stay in isolation for for three months. Uh, so he's in a room. Him and uh, my wife was basically they had to stay at a children's hospital. Um, I was allowed to come in. Kieran, my daughter, she wasn't allowed to come in. So when we used to go down and visit, uh, Kieran's after, I mean, at the time as well, you know, Kieran's only young as well. Um, she'd have to kind of sit outside looking through a glass glass door and kind of talking to her mom that way and stuff. And then on weekends, I'd stay at the hospital 
to let let my wife come home and obviously spend time with Kieran as well. And so it was, yeah, it went just what it was about for us. It was tough on tough on her as so well. She had to grow up quick. Yeah. So it was, yeah. But it was, yeah, just kind of, I don't know, it's a surreal situation when you think back to it, kind of. But um, but yeah, just I don't know. I kind of losing my chain of thought thinking about it. So no, no, I, back I, I think it, you know, Rick, what Rick was saying a bit earlier. You know, like, kind of like time. It's like how quick to do a swab. Then you've got then yeah. uh, then to to have it. How long was your how long was your blood like uh, when they were taking out your blood, uh, Rick? What the um, yeah when they were taking out yeah yeah oh. four hours Hindi film. I see, and then you got. <laughs> and, then, and then you got, and then obviously to have it put into somewhere about forty minutes. It's like if that is just unbelievable. Trying to trying to kind of fathom of how you can change somebody's whole family life, everything just in that in that one goal. So like I want to I want to uh, take you to a conversation, Rick um, and Sonny, when we were together and in, in 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 at the Seat Channel before, and um, I know that. You you managed to meet your your um, your donor at the time, Sonny. Um, and I tried to. I, I remember raising the question with yourself, Rick, about you know how did you feel, or did you did you meet the person who um, you you donated your stem cells to? And uh, I won't I won't go into the answer what you said. I just want to give you like the you know your 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 opinion of of why you took the action you did. Yeah. So. Um... Mine went to Germany. Mine was from someone that was, all I was told it was someone that was smaller than me that was, it was going to Germany. I think it's about two years or something where they can get in contact with you or you can get in contact with them. Um, they asked, would you like to get in contact with them? And I, I, I declined. I said, no. I said, if they want to get in contact with me, that's fine. But um, I felt after doing understanding and researching it, I just felt, the journey must be so hard for these people. I don't want to be the person to kind of, I don't know, maybe I was looking at it all wrong, like gloat and say, hi, I'm the one, you know, almost looking for some type of reward or some sort, you know, for doing what I did. I felt the reward of just being a bot match was good enough for me. That was it, you know. Um, so I just felt if they ever want to get in contact with me, I'm completely happy with that. But I just felt... It's, it's their personal journeys. I can only imagine now understanding more with Sonny, Gurpri and Gaurav and his daughter, their emotional journey, it's so, it's so intense that I just felt, right, you know, I don't want to be involved in that unless they, they were happy to do so themselves, if that makes sense. Mm -hmm. Yeah, because I, I remember having that conversation with you thinking like, oh, um, I always had the surgeon's words in my ears and it like, oh, yeah, it's your responsibility to like, spread it around. So I thought, yeah, I'll, I'll, you know, I want to meet him. And then I spoke to you and I thought, you know something, Rick's right. You know, I, I, I'm never right, by the way. No, no, I, no, I, I checked it with my mom as well. <laughs> I had my wife, you know, she because she goes like, you know how you could sometimes take it to heart and if, and it didn't work you know like they know you better sometimes than you know yourself and you know you'd be kicking yourself and you know going through that whole thing until they, the person contacted me and, uh, right. yeah so i was all, i was okay uh, i think like a couple of years past i think even three years past 
and then I just got this random email just coming through from like Anthony Nolan saying like, look, they want to, they want to, they want to kind of be in contact with you. Are you all right with it? And I kind of ummed and odd. Yeah, no, I, I kind of ummed and odd, and I just said, uh, yeah, go on then. All right, that's fine. And uh, so they said like, can you just write your message? Uh, this is their message to you, which was like they were just like you know thanking thanking me and stuff. And I and I just said like you know. What can you say? Yeah, it's not a problem. You know, anytime, yeah. Yeah, anytime. <laughs> anytime, anytime you want a bit of me, you know, just just say so. Um, um, I and I think and and, and that was it. And uh, I just thought, you know, like I built something up in my head until when I was put onto it. And then I just thought, you know, I thought whether they were going to carry on the conversation. That it just, I think it just closed. You know, for me personally, it was like that closure kind of bit. Um, and it and it was mad. It was a, a young Muslim boy. Um, who, who who got it? I, I think I think he was fourteen, maybe like fourteen, fifteen. Um, and yeah, that was it. So it you know just going through that that whole uh, you know the emotions not as deep as what obviously when I remember when uh, Sonny had it. I think he, he's putting up pictures of having pizzas with with Stefan. Like <laughs> he put this big picture up, and I just thought, all right. And, I, I saw go. I saw uh, Sonny. At the yeah. at Villa Park, I was going to mention this. Yeah, Woo's <laughs> man. Yeah, was he, Villa, was, he, was he a Villa fan? Yeah, that was uh, January, just before when, the lockdown. And you, you can't have everything in it. You can't have everything. No, they come they come down uh, to UK. So obviously, this was when was this now? Last year or just yeah. you know just just before the March? Yeah, about April, right, 18, 19 months. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So before all this COVID stuff kicked off, and um, obviously we're we're. Uh, you know, well acquainted now, and we've met up. We've been that was the second time they've come over here. We've been over to Munich already, so like I said, we're like family. And they come over here, and there's like, look, want to come down. And um, I think um, there's quite a few football games on that day, and uh, not that day, that week. And I took him, oh, it was Villa Watford, weren't it? That, that game was Villa Watford, yeah, that's it. Took Good him, game. Yeah, it was, yeah, yeah. Took him, uh, United Liverpool, um, uh, United Brent, with- uh, oh, you're asking me. I doubt it's highly unlikely. <laughs> <laughs> um, went to West Brom versus Stoke at West Brom. Uh, went to oh no, sorry, it was Wolves. Uh, Wolves away, Liverpool was. Um, and then oh yeah, pretty much we went to four games in five days. Oh man, I was absolutely battered at the end of that. Uh, <laughs> well, I'm gonna say Villa, by the way. Yeah, oh what a cracking atmosphere that was. Yeah, yeah, it's the last, I think the last minute winner. Yeah, yeah. Oh, enough, enough of that, love it. Enough <laughs> of that, love it. Um, so what? What? How was? Uh, you know, just the curiosity. How was Stefan when he when he saw Gorav? So the first um, time. The first time, yeah. So it was obviously first time, very nerve wracking. We went over to Munich for the first time, mm-hmm. um, and so we kind of done a like a long weekend there, um, and. He, straight away, oh, superb. I mean, he kind of got saw him, you know, obviously hug each other. And there was just kind of, you know, thank you was never enough. And kind of told him that, that you know, the words are just not enough kind of thing. And he picked Gaurav up and um, Gaurav's, um, Gaurav's uh, got autism. He's, um, so he's like, he doesn't talk. It's, he's communicating um, slightly different. He's a lot more actions than anything. And he's very uh, cagey with new people. But it was kind of weird, like where uh, Stefan picked him up 
and held him and God was just kind of staring into his eyes and kind of just we were taking photos and he was like, he didn't try and push him off, didn't try. When normally, what do you be like, you know, kind of, he'll want his own space, it's just the way he is. And um, and he just kind of sat in Stefan's arms for ages and he was like having those photos. So that was massively surprising and kind of, you know, he feels like he was meant to be. Yeah. And well, um, yeah. he's pushed him off plenty of times since then, like, but, <laughs> um, but yeah. But yeah, he was kind of, yeah, kind of mad. Like, but what a guy he's always are, kind of, he does so much stuff for, you know, other charities and stuff. Um, well, I know it does a lot for the Heart Foundation in Germany, and it was this was actually the second time he donated as well. So, oh, wow. um, so yeah, yeah. So, um, so that was so massive. He, 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 he's from a South Asian background, is that no, right? No, no, um, so he's like, yeah, Caucasian, um, from a, a white background, and um, that was surprising because when we were told, obviously, we got a match, uh, I think it was about about six months afterwards after God had had the, the bone marrow transplant you can start we was asked if you want to send a, a letter so obviously the first two years you can't obviously know any information and so long story short we sent a letter and we exchanged uh, letters for a while until we was allowed to kind of uh, be asked after two years if you want to meet so I've spent these 18 months or whatever you know thinking oh what am I going to say to him this and that and knowing he's from Germany thinking okay he might not speak English but I thought, oh, the good thing is at least we can speak in Punjabi together. You know what I mean? So <laughs> I got like ready to like thinking, yeah, we've got a way of communicating. So what I found out, I think uh, the wife, um, Facebook kind of searched him and whatever uh, when we when we got his name and stuff and we showed him the photos. I was like, that can't be right. And as, as mad as it sounds, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I even contacted um, uh, got a specialist like, to find out. I was like, look. You know, um, and, and Anthony Nolan was like, look, you know, not being funny here, like, you know, not that sure? issue. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I was like, you know, you're taking an issue, like, at the end of the day, a life saves a life saves. I was like, but is this right? I was like, you know, because I was expecting a, an Asian person. <laughs> and um, <laughs> so then uh, I think Anthony, Anthony Nolan then said, look, we'll find out for you. It's obviously right, but we'll try and get you some information. And they got a, um, uh, some bone marrow specialist of some kind to kind of contact us and, he just kind of explained and said, look, chances of finding a match is normally within your own ethnic kind of background. And because this can happen, because it's very rare, he goes, you know, because we don't see it often. And because all I can really say to you is because it's just counting count your blessings as a miracle, because we don't see this happen much, but it's happened. And the fact it was 100% match. So it was like kind of, yeah, you know, we already felt blessed to find someone. And then to be told this on top was like just, you know, with someone's obviously looking over God of and it's kind of sometimes I feel like it's I don't know whether if it sounds a good thing or what to say I don't know how but you know sometimes I feel like was he meant to go through all this pain because through this there's seven people we've uh, know of and have uh, kind of spoke and kind of got to know who have donated um, stem cells and they registered because of God of so sometimes I think you know has he gone through this because it's helped kind of save others or find other people find their kind of their lifesaver so God has played a part in that and sometimes I think maybe you know maybe he was meant to do that for others as well and that's just seven you know of yeah yeah that's just seven we know of yeah that's true yeah there, there could be more like you say but that's just the ones we know of yeah so it's you know, it's it's huge, like, and sometimes I think, yeah, he's 
he's a lifesaver and he doesn't know it himself. Don't know. So, um, how is Gorav now then? In, t- in this situation, brilliant, perfectly superb. He's, um, he still has meds and stuff. He has to have penicillin. Um, that'll be for life. That's just kind of, you know, to make so he has that daily to make sure, obviously, the transplant can't fail or kind of turn, turn in the wrong way. Um, he has a couple of other meds as well, but generally, um, really good. So he's gone from, I think, originally it was, I think it was like monthly appointments, or well, it's fortnightly, I think, first then to monthly, six weekly, six months. Now it's like annually. So for a, a freeze bone marrow checkup, we pretty much go in every 12 months and then we go in hospital for, for other things. Like, but uh, for that, so it's, yeah, we're, we're in like probably the most perfect position we could be blessed for and to ask for kind of things. So we are very, very lucky. That's, that's really good to hear. Really, really good to hear. Um, Ricky, so you know, like um, in terms of like your your activism, in terms of what you're doing to promote it, um, how does somebody get involved uh, involved to kind of support that? And what what have you done uh, in particular to you know after your your two donations? Um, I mean, I was lucky enough to join Sunny on some campaigns where it was uh, on the Sea Channel. Um, we went to London as well. There was an event there that we did. I've done a few uh, other campaigns. Um, there was a girl uh, called Anissa from Small Leaf, uh, and they were trying to target the the Muslim community. So one of the Islam channel with them. Uh, there was um, some stuff that we did on TV. A lot of my stuff just being based around interviews. But you know what, Rick? There's some amazing people that volunteer on a day-to-day basis and they're literally going out there day in, day out. I don't, I do probably 2% of what they do. Yeah, probably less than that. You, I mean, there's a guy called Robbie Jahal, there's a Harkamol as well. They all belong to the DKMS. And these guys, man, there's more of them. I wish I could get their names out of my head, but I can't, but they do so much and they volunteer and they, they don't, I don't, they don't get paid for it. They just go out and they try and get as many people on the register as possible. And, you know, just like Gorov has, like, you know, he's he's got, he's found lifesavers. These guys, they just do it off their back. And I'm like, I'm such in awe that they just do it. Like, you know, I've done it because I was just exposed to it at a certain time of my life. I don't think these guys are there. I think they're just like, bloody, like Superman, Superman around us without the capes on. Like they're just going out, just doing the promoting. So, yeah, I do a bit of promotions here and there. But my God, there's some people out there. Uh, that, whether Anthony Nolan, whether the, the Rick Bazaris, whether it be the Harkamol. Uh, I'm trying to think. The society is it? The, um, they got DKMS. The guys in um, in. In Hitchin and all that as well, they do some brilliant campaigns. Just got more foundation. Just got yeah. more. That's it. You know, there's so many, and they're just doing it off their own back. And I'm like, wow, you know, it's incredible, man. You know, is that Seva? Like, you know, Seva. Like, they're just doing it, and they don't want. They don't ask for any reward. They don't want anything from anybody. All they ask is is just get on the register. But it's incredible, man. I can't speak highly enough. So there is there is a criteria though, isn't there, between the two um, 
uh, uh, the, the main charity. So uh, to donate, to sign up for Anthony Nolan, what are the age groups that you have to be? So uh, Anthony Nolan is 16 to 30, and DKMS is slightly larger, it's 16 to 65. Now I'll tell you the reason why that is. Like D, DKMS is a German-based um, charity, whereas the, sorry, uh, Angelos, it's, it's seventeen to fifty-five DKMS. D, that's it. Sorry, yeah, sorry. Yeah. Uh, with DKMS, I mean, with, sorry, with uh, Antinoli, they concentrate on that sixteen to thirty simply because that you get a better rate, you get more likely to get hundred percent rate from those, more so than the. Um, the extended rate of um, the DKMS. But you know what's interesting? I mean, I, I want to bring this point because um, Gorov found his match in Germany. Germany is mandatory to join the register. Like, when they come out of college, they they simply say, you join the register. They might, I don't know whether they can say yes or no, but it's there and then, whether it be at college or wherever they are, they join the register. They, that doesn't exist here. And I just think it, you know, even the government needs to be a bit more proactive on stuff like this, where they give the kids the option of, you know, where to, to, to don donate something or, you know, join a blood stem cells uh, like anti or DKMS. But um, yeah, man, they, they, they just need to follow Germany's footsteps a bit on that. So is there, is there a way, Sonny, that we, that there's a possibility of kind of lobbying and getting get that kind of mandatory. Yeah, so Anthony Nolan have, stopped, have tried to start something similar where um, they go into colleges and try and do a talk and try and explain. Because uh, like Ricky was saying, they do 16 to 30-year-olds, where DKMS is 17 to 55. Uh, I think a lot of that as well is because they say, especially with males, you know, between the ages of 16 to 30, you're... Um, whether if the words are correct, but you like, you know, the, your bone marrow is it is like is at its peak, is at its best kind of, and a lot of that's due to that. But yeah, it's uh, with Anthony Nolan. Um, it was it was called, I think it was R and B. I need to have a look. But basically, the the go into colleges, do a talk, and what it was, um, they don't sign you up there and then. You know, whereas in Germany, like Ricky said. They actually sign you up. So as you're finishing school or when you come into the age of uh, you're eligible to sign, they uh, they get you signed up. Whereas here they don't, but they do a talk and they leave you with information to give you a bit of an update. But this is what it is. This is what it's about. And then if you want to sign up, you can. And it's like that. So they are trying to encourage something along the same routes. But but yeah, I'd love to see um, a stage where like like Ricky saying, you know, about it being kind of like a, a mandatory type thing or where you're on and you could actually opt out that'd be massive but is that ever going to happen i don't know i, I think they've they've done it with the with the do, with the donor um uh, with blood haven't they yeah yeah uh, also sorry organ organ donor yeah i should yeah. know that i'm bloody yeah. random campaign um <laughs> I'll, I'll edit that bit uh, <laughs> <laughs> um yeah i mean so in, in terms of trying to be more proactive because you know those um, that, that age group um, sort of getting more and more becoming yeah. more kind of more health conscious and stuff. Um, do you think then we're able to to push it in another direction? Is there another way? You know, as social media is growing more and more now. Um, 
you've we've managed to get some ambassadors in for this whole this whole movement. Have they tried to lend their support and making it making more awareness? Uh, in what sense? What do you mean? Sorry. <clears throat> so I mean, like um, I remember at the time for your campaign, you had some a couple of footballers retweeting it out and just get you know there was a, a huge campaign. Did they have come up with any suggestions to you of making the awareness bigger? Um. To be honest, uh, not really. Um, kind of, I think what all you guys done for us was, I think we probably, you know, without sounding arrogant, was probably exceeding a lot of um, expectations anyway. Because what, you know, like say you guys and everyone else, all the, the volunteers, like who Ricky mentioned and that, uh, uh, Robbie and the guys who work with him, Parker Mull and everyone, what they do. But yeah, in terms of, in terms of, uh, you know, like kind of popular figures, whether it be like, Someone on a, um, yeah, a celebrity well, type Jan of stage. Done, yeah. yeah, yeah. Jan done loads, to be fair. And Jan was still young at the time. Um, you know, he was um, still playing youth football and he's, his maturity is like way beyond his years. But it's more in terms of, I seem to find if someone's within a circle and they know someone from a celebrity, celebrity type of status, then they help. It'd be great if more of them pushed it. Like, um, there's that, oh, I forgot his name now. He's massive with DKMS now. He does a lot. Um, he used to, he's like that pub landlord on a comedy show. Do you know what I'm on about? Um, oh, yeah, yeah. Ball, the, with the ball, the ball ball guy, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah. And he's done loads. I think it was a family member of his who uh, needed a bone marrow transplant. And he's, um, I hope you're finding his name there. Uh, I am, man. I actually I'm used right. to watch some of his shows. At, at, well, I used to we got to get it right. And it was his Quite name. funny, yeah, yeah. Oh God! I thought I thought I had his name. I should know it. He was a yeah, pub landlord. He was a pub landlord. Uh, oh, as soon as you na- say the name of the show, I'll remember it was quite a good show. But yeah, he, he does a lot right now, um, which is good to see. And we need Al more Murray. people like that. Al Murray, yeah, and we need more people like that. Like Al Murray's like massively uh, kind of spoken now within trying to get people on the register and kind of. You know, uh, making people aware of DKMS and stuff, and the more people who can do that, the better, really. Especially those who've got a, a standing of where you know people look up to them and that they have a high following, whether it be like social media or whatever. It's a, I, I gotta kind of bring in Ricky on this bit as well. So he's also Ricky's also part of Punjabi Villains, and I know that they do <laughs> quite a lot of work in like in some of the, the, the charity bit. Um, I know that you, they've been involved in this as well, uh, you know, in some way, shape, or form. Um, what was the impact of when you, you know, when you were high, highlighting these causes? What uh, this one in particular? Yeah, We've, yeah, um, yeah. We, I mean, we, thing is, Bandarbi Villains now is bigger now than it was when back in 2012. But even in 2012, you know, we we were quite hot on our uh, social media, you know, more so Twitter than. Uh, Instagrams and the Facebooks, but yeah, you know, we try and push it out as wide as far and wide as possible. Um, just and again, everything is always been quite receptive. Yeah, very rarely did I see anybody have anything to say, but then sometimes when not everyone's too receptive, it you want to try and encourage um conversation, you want to try and knock out these myths so. Some of the myths that people used to come out with. I mean, I had this um, when I was helping Anissa. So I went to Anissa and um, 
her granddad was an imam in the uh, mosque in um, Smolik. And the, the, the thought was that, um, correct, I mean, I could be corrected if I'm completely wrong, that, you know, in Islam, you can't, if, you can't lose something from your body that you can't get back, like, you know, like a kidney or something or whatever. You just can't, you know, that body, that belongs to your body. Whereas um, white blood cells is what you're donating here with, um, with bone marrow. If your body naturally replenishes itself. So, you know, Sonny touched on it before where the old, um, the old blood cells and the new blood cells be fighting each other because one's already working and another one's getting in there. Whereas what that means is like, you know, your body naturally, if it loses something, it just na naturally knows how to build it up, up again. It's just like your, your natural, your normal blood. If you lose a bit of blood, you know, like from your hand, it's not going to do anything. So it's just trying to knock these myths out and like, you know, again, with the, that it comes out of your hip and you can't, you know, you're bedridden for a while or, you know, or you could die from it, you know, you donate and you, that's it, yes, you've gone forever. It's trying to knock these myths out of the park and uh, as, and that that's the biggest issue, really. I mean, everyone's always going to be warm and receptive, but no one really wants to ask the, the difficult questions because they just think, well, it's never going to be me, you know, until it, until it is then. Yeah. yeah, I think I think South Asian populations and uh, health and myths are just so deeply entwined at the moment. It, like, not at the moment, but historically, I think that's just a great a challenge uh, that we kind of got to face. Um, I'm going to kind of like bring it all together, really, on on this piece. So this is called a bandwagon, and there's an opportunity. Um, for you to kind of uh, express anything that you want to get off your chest to that. Uh, but this time I'm going to try and get it more focused onto the, the subject matter. Is there anything that you want to kind of, you know, your lasting messages that you want to kind of convey out to people who are listening or watching? Um, I can start if you like. I mean, um, we've just heard Sonny's story uh, with Gaurav and the journey of his with his family and you know, I've got to know Sonny over time and like great goalkeeper, still trying to sign up now, but um, great, lovely family. And every time he tells a story, I still learn more from it, right? And there's still something that I think, wow, I didn't know that. And, you know, that can happen to any family, yeah, whether it be at someone close to us or another uh, small family you know, on the other side of the country, even some other side of the world, you know, we need to be getting together and like being, being, being responsible for not just ourselves, but for the wider community. So whenever you hear of these type of situations, just, just learn about it and just see how you can help in the smallest way possible. Or, and, you know, by just reaching out and just like doing a swab, and like just joining a register. If you are a match, Hopefully, you can reach out to any of us. I know Sonny's not so hot on social media, but you are, Ricky, and so am I, that they can just DM us and say, look, you know, we're not, what goes, what happens? What, you know, will I lose something? Is it hard? Is it difficult? Will I be in any pain? I just want people to be so open about asking questions that we're not, it, we kind of knock out the, the idea of anyone opting out at all. 
No, well said, there, Sonny. You know, um, when uh, when God was in hospital at the time, do you remember early on when I touched on um, when we was told about his condition, monosomy seven, and we kind of had to go straight to the last uh, last resort, being a bone marrow transplant. Uh, so when we was in, you know, not everyone's so lucky. He's basically going to say there's, there's a lot, obviously, a lot of different forms of leukemia, a lot of different forms of blood cancer. There was another at the time. There's another child in there, Indian child as well. Um, he was is six or seven years old, uh, and he had the same condition as Gaurav, and um, same. So he had uh, he had leukemia. He had chemotherapy trying to beat it, um, and uh, that didn't work, uh, the chemotherapy. So then he's having a bone marrow transplant. Um, he didn't find a match, but his dad, similar like, like to us, was uh, a 50% match to him. Uh, so they'd done the transplant that way. We was in, we was in hospital at the same time. Um, everything looked like it was working. Um, and then I think so many months later, anyway, unfortunately, that family weren't quite as lucky as we were. So, you know, like... Uh, basically what I want to try and say is that not everyone has uh, a kind of a happy ending in terms of or a happy kind of story to follow on like we have now to be in a lucky place but so many more people can you know of like not only just more people joining the ball marrow register but more people knowing about it knowing the information and actually following through and then doing the donation for that kind of you know it's not a simple procedure it's still tough on you guys but Imagine how tough it is for the people on the other side. Like we're so lucky to be where we are, but this this one kid and his family weren't lucky. You know that was the difference between we found a match and and th- well they didn't, and it, they had to go with a fifty percent match. So it's you know imagine if everyone was joining on the register. You know we, we'd hear more success stories than we would hear the other way, or we'd hear a lot less of stories of where it's not working. So. It's, you know, we know firsthand what it can do for us, kind of. Sometimes I actually forget, even now, sometimes I forget uh, the time we spent in children's hospital and what it was like. And, you know, like, because you kind of get so wrapped in having a normal life. And we've only got a normal life because of Stefan and and people who joined the register and people who helped us. Without that, our life was going to be a different kind of normal, a different kind of normal I won't wish on anybody. So, you know, if people did join, just you can you can give everyone else a normal life the way we've been given ours. And you know, that shouldn't be that that should be a given for everyone, if you know what I mean. Yeah, I mean I, I don't I, I don't think I can add anything more to that. You know, it, it is such a powerful thing that somebody can do. Um, you know, it's a simple stage of signing up, um, joining the uh, joining the register and um, you know and you could be fortunate you could be lucky to uh, save somebody's life um, for doing virtually nothing so um, I, I really need to thank both of you today I know it's been quite intense uh, at times um, and can, I, sorry, can I just give you a quick fun fact as well I don't know if you guys know this or if anyone else as well so you know with Gaurav's um, so when he had the uh, the bone marrow transplant so Gaurav now, his blood type is no longer the blood type he used to have. His blood type is now the same as Stefan's. He's got Stefan's blood type. So that's a fun fact for anyone who donates, whoever's your recipient. 
they're going to have your blood type. That is mad. Yeah. And and look at and look at the wonders of what the body can actually do as well. And it's yeah. you know, it is just crazy. It's crazy. All right, I'm gonna have to close it there, otherwise it's just it's just too it's just too intense. Um, but no, I really need to thank both of you for today. Um, really appreciate it. And for those who are watching and listening, um, just please take your time out, just do a little bit of research and just sign up and join up where you can. Thanks, guys. All the best. Thank you. Thank you. At Parker, our purpose is simple. We want to make the world a better place by working more efficiently, by using more sustainable practices, by developing better technologies. We keep moving forward. With each new idea, innovation, and partnership, we're one step closer to fulfilling our purpose every single day. To find out more, visit parker.com slash purpose. Parker, engineering your success.